0: back to four on the back. So we are going to take a look uh, tonight in a little bonus episode about um, the continual decline of Manchester United following uh, the retirement of Sir Alex Ferguson, because of course, Eric Ten Hag has been appointed United manager from the beginning of next season. Um, He's obviously made his name with Ajax, um, particularly the runs, the semi-finals in 2019 seems a lifetime ago. We'll never forget that semi-final for, for various reasons. <laughs> um, but uh, United are, it's fairly widely in the biggest mess they've been in since the mid-1980s. And of course, for many fans, uh, they've never seen a kind of six or seven-year period, as we've seen with United over the last six, seven years. You know, There was a time when you thought that Man United would be at the top of the tree forever. Um, I always think about the line from 1984, uh, you know, if you want a picture of a future, uh, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. And that was what Man United were. They were relentless. And even if they didn't win a title one year, you could be sure they'd come back and win it the next. And it just seemed this sort of inevitable march. But actually, if you look at the history of English football over quite a long period of time, these dynasties do come to an end it just so happens that this United one was particularly long so I've got Pete with me here tonight um so what's gone wrong for Man United I know we can bear it with great fortitude but uh, (laughs) what what has gone wrong I think
1: you can narrow it down to four things Uh, attack defense midfield and in goal uh yeah it's it's right the way through the club isn't it and at this point it's almost like every decision they've made has kind of backfired. even the ones that have worked in some ways have ended up leaving them in a weaker position somehow this it's it's almost like the snake bitten thing where it's things that make sense on paper just don't work i don't think anybody thought that the signing of pogba was going to be a mistake for instance uh he's you know nine million quid and a few years later he's off on a free and no one really seems that sad to, to see him go and you could literally run through 10 or 12 different decisions that they've made that all look kind of all right on paper and they just haven't worked and i think the reason for that is because there's no continuity to the decisions there's a certain amount of panic about everything or a certain amount of the strategy never looks clear uh, the wonderful line that I read recently about this was that they they seem to know where they want to go, but they've got no idea about how to get there. They don't know what the destination looks like, and I think that sums it up, up well. You know, none of the parts, w- however good they are in their own, work together, and that's the complete antithesis of the Ferguson years at Man United.
0: They've got a, you know, I think they they basically what they've done is they've had an idea. And then when that hasn't worked immediately, they've gone in completely opposite direction. So, of course, the idea with Moyes was going to be that he represented some form of continuity. Mostly, it would seem because he was Scottish, but but also because he was seen as being somebody that had, you know, run a project at at Everton. You know, and it seemed to have demonstrated some of the qualities that Ferguson himself demonstrates at Aberdeen which is what attracted Man United to Ferguson in the first place. And, of course, they did back him, Ferguson that is, in the 80s to clear the club of the drinking culture. And, you know, he shipped out White Size and McGrath and Strachan and all these players that, that had been a big part of the Ron Atkinson teams. And they gave him that time. And, of course, by the time the first season of the Premier League rolls around, you know, they're the title winners and they never really look back from that. So Moyes is supposed to represent continuity. But of course, they're sort of down in sixth place or something Uh, come, you know, March of, of Moyes' first season in charge. It seems that the senior players aren't having him and they pull the plug. And I think it's probably worth saying that Ferguson, maybe Ferguson's greatest achievement was dragging one more title out of what was a very tired looking squad. Mm. um and probably you know that was very much the last of the summer wine that Ferguson managed to get out of it and and in a way Moyes walked into a little bit of a, a stitch up there and I think probably you know you, Moyes has gone to West Ham and shown again exactly what he's made of but maybe the kind of the level of expectation at United was something he wasn't quite ready for particularly with you know this new breed of uh of super manager that, that the premier league was starting to uh to, to import at that time and so then you go to Van Hal and Mourinho which I guess you could say is similar in the sense that they are both big name like big name coaches but of course for both of them the fans didn't like the football um, and no. people laugh people laughed at Mourinho didn't they when they when he said it, one of my greatest achievements is getting this United team to second place against Pep City the season that City got 100 points but in retrospect you kind of have to say that Mourinho did a pretty good job it's just that fans didn't like Mourinho's football.
1: No the, the one thing that the Moyes, Mourinho and Van Hal kind of eras have all got in common is the fans uh, antipathy I guess you know we kind of All I think predicted that everyone except Man United fans predicted that the one thing that wouldn't happen is that Moyes would get the time that he needed to turn that squad around and that it wouldn't be an overnight thing. It's like everybody called this is going to be a rebuilding project and it's not going to be allowed to play out. And United fans were all at the start says, oh, yeah, patience, patience. But if there's one thing to guarantee that a fan base won't have patience, it's success. And United fans had been gorged on it for 20 odd years. That's exactly kind of what happened with with Van Gaal. I mean, to a degree. After that, I mean, th- these are not terrible performances. There are a few trophies in there. Yes, they're not looking at winning the league, but it, you know, this. I think the scale of the rebuild was obvious by this point. And yeah, Mourinho second place. Yeah, as you say, I think that's pretty respectable with the squad that he had. Uh, there were better sides on paper beneath them, I would say. Uh, so yeah, it's it's one of those things that it's not always the coach's fault. There's a huge culture of win now that hasn't been kind of gotten rid of, and that means that patience is not something that anybody has. There's not really enough of a steer from the boardroom level to ride that out either. No one has the bravery to follow the course the way they did with Ferguson in the 1980s. Ferguson would have been sat many times over in the modern era. Oh,
0: absolutely. And, and, And... I mean, would George Graham have, have got to, have, would George Graham have got to 1989? <laughs> like, you know, Possibly not. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you can kind of look at, at kind of any of those successful managers from the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, and with the exception of Dalgleish, you'd be like, well, would any of them be in a job? I think the thing is, is that, is that you know, they would get to a certain point with Van Gaal radio and then there's, and then, they got cold feet and stopped backing them. So I always think about that summer transfer window when Mourinho said he wanted out from Spurs. Um, and I forget who the other names were, but basically he wanted four or five experienced players to take the squad from seconds to champions. And the board didn't let him do it because they got it in their heads that they wanted to be buying players between... 23 and 26 with real with resell value as if they're Red Bull Leipzig and it's a bit like you can't have it both ways if you appoint a trophy coach like Mourinho albeit one that's fading you know what it is he wants he's gonna buy what he considers to be men you know experienced players with a winning mentality that are in the prime of their careers and um, United weren't going to pay twenty five million for de Alderweireld because he was approaching thirty, uh, top class centre half. though he still, though he still was, but you know that's that's the kind of difficulty is that then once you don't give a Mourinho or a, you know or a manager of his sort what he wants, then it's going to get very toxic. And of course, that's exactly what happens. Mourinho ends up getting sacked, and they have this kind of all right we will look within the club's traditions and they put Solskjaer in as an interim. Everyone laughed because he was so bad at Cardiff, but it kind of goes all right. And then everyone gets a bit carried away because they go and beat PSG with a a kind of very famous Marcus Rashford led comeback victory and they give him the job permanently. Yeah. In hindsight, it going
1: all right for Solskjaer might actually be the worst thing that happened to United in terms of the management, because that means he then manages to limp on right the way through to the pandemic, which obviously throws, you know, a whole year away, basically. Uh, if he had just been in from the 19th of December until the, uh, what it was, May 2019, and then they'd actually kind of had a serious appointment in that summer. I feel a bit cruel kind of beating up Arley and saying he's not a serious appointment, but I mean, let's be honest, that's kind of what that whole era looks like, a
0: mistake in retrospect. It's funny, isn't it? Because he, you know, he would always have this run of awful results and then they'd win 10 in a row. And it's a bit like he would get to that point where it's like, okay, he's about to be sacked. And then they suddenly go on this great big run and they'd qualify for the Champions League or... And then they kind of were always encouraged to back him. And again, it's this funny thing where having not backed Jose with what he wanted this summer, they go and get Varane. Uh, they go and get Jaden Sancho. They re-sign Ronaldo. So suddenly it's like they came second under Rolly last season. Um, they give, you know, they go and get, you know, this kind of squad assembled. It's kind of like a, Galactico's light-looking-looking uh, looking thing, but then you just realise how much Ronaldo completely throws the balance of that team, and it kind of, you know, it just spirals. and And then yeah, Ollie's Ollie's got the sack, and uh, again, it looks like they they kind of left with no clue what to do. Uh, they've missed out on Conte because Spurs have moved in first. Uh, there was the of course the famous uh, El Sackico whereas either Nuno or Oli was probably going at the end of that game. <laughs> um, it's just it's just the, the recruitment is always at the wrong time, seemingly. Uh, they can't decide whether they're Red Bull Leipzig or 2000 Real Madrid. There's this sense that Paul Pogba, you mentioned earlier on, he was meant to be the big statement signing. Of course, a large part of that is to cover the embarrassment of the fact they let him go to Juve for free and he became a world superstar. Um There's this constant sense of... <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, just want to on. point out that they've tried to fix that and then they've ended up letting him go for free again.
1: Which I mean, is
0: just, yeah, if they were worried about being embarrassed, then... There's a know. reason
1: they could call Meme United now, isn't there? Let's be honest.
0: Yeah, and, and it's it's very... I mean, obviously, United fans, right? I know that a lot of United fans like like to blame all this on the Glazers but um I don't know it goes I think it goes quite a lot deeper than that but I think it does show kind of um exactly how much United and, and to a lesser extent Arsenal you know were all the product of the strategic thinking of one man and how much that kind of 1980s manager figure you can't find an equivalent for it in the modern game because what you've got in the modern game is basically head coaches and somebody with that sort of I don't know gravitas that Ferguson has, you know it's not something you're gonna you're gonna find
1: no that I mean that role doesn't exist anymore I, I think the issue is that in a sense it just it kind of starts with the Glazers because they're the, the in charge of the club they you know, the, the buck stops with them but it is like every Layer of the club. It's the chairman, it's the directors, it's the coaching and the choices that they've made about coaches. It's the fact that they don't always kind of recruit. They've got caught in that cycle of we just bought ex defenders or ex midfielders. Why do we need to start going out and looking at other ones? It's because you've changed the manager and you might not want those players. Those players might not fit into this new system. And I think that's one thing that's going to. Be what Ten Hag has to deal with is that he's going to yeah. come in and have to be dealing with other people's players.
0: Well, you to uh, this the... with Rangnick, right? So mm. you appoint a pre- you, the person that basically invented the German system of pressing, and then you ask him to play Ronaldo and Rashford, who are two of the poorest pressers <laughs> anywhere <laughs> in world football. It does kind of beg a belief. Um, I mean, we're led to believe that Ten Haag has been very forthright with um United Hierarchy and and saying like this is exactly what's wrong with the squad, this is how long it will take me to fix, this is what I will need. And they're apparently, you know, they walked away very impressive what he had to say. But mm. the reality of when he takes the job with me, it's a bit like, well, we'll see. Because yeah. if he's gonna say to them, I want Dusan Tadic because he's important to my system you can imagine United being like, well, Dusan Tadic isn't going to sell shirts. Mm. Yeah, um, that is the reality of modern
1: Man United, isn't it? That's so visible that you can see that going along.
0: It really is. And I, and I think the, the the problem is, is that both the, the club and the supporters are in this sort of realm of, we have a God-given right to be dominating the league and uh, we have somehow been robbed of our, rightful position but but the truth is you know you can look at at Liverpool in the 90s or you know or Man United in the 80s and or the present day Arsenal and you can say well well no you don't have the right to dominate football for for that whole uh for the whole extent of time you know we're not in Spain where it really is a duopoly you know these sort of periods really do come and go but for a whole generation of united fans they only ever knew their team as the best team in the country year after year after year and and it's been very difficult for them to swallow and you see the ex-players on tv they've been through every stage of grief imaginable watching gary neville essentially cheer a you know a sort of under 21 player coming on and and fouling some of them from Liverpool uh, while Liverpool kind of played keep ball, it just kind of shows you how bad it's got.
1: Yeah, and it's only going to potentially get worse if, if things don't kind of change almost immediately because there's a risk in having to make wholesale changes in any squad. If you have to bring lots of players in, very few managers or Recruitment departments in the, in the modern game have a hit rate above a certain percent. You know, a, a percentage of transfers will always fail. So if you're having to replace a lot, then you could end up with a lot of expensive failures on your hands. And from what I understand, we're talking about a complete squad out, which is actually what I think they probably need. It's probably a couple of years overdue. And if he has to go through all that and results are going badly and then all of a sudden, while the United fans are losing and they see, I don't know, Jesse Lingard, say, or take your pick, any one of their players, if they see them doing well in another club that they've just and they've just let them go, it's going to be poisonous again. Because that's what we've seen for the last 10 years. I don't think we're at the point where they've learned the lesson yet either. I don't think that patience is going to be in any greater supply if things do start to turn.
0: Yeah, I guess if you if you've got the optimistic hats on, there are a lot of players there that feel like players that would fit into Ten Hag system. You know, Sancho probably the kind of well, three of three of the back four, um, sucker's clearly got a go, hasn't worked out. You know, De Gea, um, I think you keep all of that. Fernandez, like, you know, Denmark think... does like to play with a pure ten. I think he's going to have to adjust if he wants to keep De Gea, though. From from what I've been kind of reading, yeah, you know, he I, he does like a keeper that plays out from the back, but um, I and think, De Gea is first and foremost a shop stopper. Yeah, but he's been United's best player for oh, absolutely <laughs> for, for the last decade. So yeah, I think it's probably going to be unlikely I, that, that
1: I'd be brave you, enough to clear him out. Completely agree with you. I just think it's a problem then that he has to deal with if he's he's basically kind of. Got one hand tied behind his back if he doesn't have a goalkeeper that he wants and yeah. can't play the system that he plays. It's Are we not kind of seeing basically
0: the same issue that the previous coaches have had from day one? Potent- well, potentially. I mean, I'd, we'd have to see. I don't think De Gea mm. is awful this fee. I mean, certainly not Hugo Lloris bad with his feet. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think would he do what Pep did with Joe Hart? You know, and... Risky. That was very. I mean, when Pep did that, it was the, the the newspapers were all over him. He was completely vindicated in the end. Although Claudio Bravo perhaps wasn't the one, and uh, he did go and get Edison the next year. But but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I would I would suggest probably the that all the fringe all those fringe players will, will all go. Who knows what will happen with Ronaldo? I suspect that he will get another Mercery payout somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, if you say to Ronaldo well you know we're on a five or six rebuilt year rebuilding project and all you've got in it for you is maybe a golden boot I think he'd probably be off yeah probably so I guess we'll wait and see and again that's probably the best thing that could happen to United to Ronaldo just to be gone Mm -hmm. because it's it's been you know the worst kind of luxury to to have him there because again the way Oli played last season kind of relied on on quick transitions and Bruno Fernandes being the creative force behind everything and Fernandes has just seemed very diminished by having his kind of fellow Portuguese player next to him it just seems like Fernandes is just half the player when Ronaldo is also on the pitch because Mm. where would be Fernandes taking the lead you know now he's playing second fiddle um and you know he was that one real bright spot for United because he was at so he was a, a a high profile transfer that worked out beyond anyone's wildest dreams, and then this season he's taken sort of such a significant step back, seemingly because things aren't just going all the way through him anymore. Mm. So that's that's something they have to look at fixing because he clearly was a player that that did work out for them, and they need to get him, you know, get him firing. Him. But as I say, Ten Hag does play a ten, so mm. that would kind of that would seem to fit. Sancho definitely fits the way he likes his wide players to play. You know, yeah. There's a there's a couple of areas where I think they potentially have
1: major kind of issues that they need to solve. One is, you know, some of these players that are going out. How do they replace them? The the defense, if, if kind of point you made up. One is that Wambasaka doesn't fit, and I think you're right to point that out. The other is that how do you get everybody back on side if you're going to keep the rest of the, de- the defense intact with McGuire, when so many of the fans have clearly already decided against him, that there's a healing process that needs to happen there and that's only going to come with results. If things start badly, that's going to get toxic again very quickly. And the other is that they need a little bit more progression in the midfield because one of the things that we've seen is that for all the merits of that Fred and Scott McTominay midfields, actually moving the ball forward into attacking areas isn't necessarily the strongest suit. And yeah, is that going to work out? If they can, there's still a lot of attacking talent in that side and a younger, hungrier attacking line with a lot more pace in it, using the likes of a Sancho. Uh, you know, maybe someone else that they can bring in to kind of cover for Ronaldo or Cavani, who I think will probably also be on his way. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of potential there.
0: Um, They've, they found a the player in an anger, haven't they? And, um, yes. Y- you'd think that he would play a big part moving forward. Rashford is, uh, I think, probably as sad as it will be, I think he's probably got to go. Unless Ten Hag, you know, meets him and thinks, no, actually, no, I, th- I think, I think I can solve this. But sort of, uh, you know, sort of, we had that really, really kind of uh, elite, sort of half season under Solsha, where he then ends up playing through that back injury that almost saw him miss the Euros, and he's really not been the same player since and uh, it just just happen it just happens sometimes but you watch him play now he doesn't run <laughs> he kind of walks around the pitch he's clearly really unhappy playing for rangnick uh, you, you just wonder like is well i mean i've seen it happen with Deli ali once that initial flush of success goes it can be trickier than you think to uh t- to bring it back so yeah, Rashford is a bit of a is going to be a big problem, I think, for Ten Hag. It'd be interesting to see whether he thinks he can fix him, or if we, or whether, you know, Arsenal will get catfished into buying Marcus Rashford to play up front for them. It's
1: one of those where I think if he, I think there's the lots are still kind of offer there for the time being. I don't think I would kind of be inclined to to move him on just yet. But this is one of those areas where Man United have to the manager if he looks at him and says nah, not for me then you just kind of have to trust him and go with it because even if it does mean bringing in another player that might cost you know money in what is already going to be an expensive summer uh that's just the reality of the situation i think uh i'd be honest though i think the the truth of it is this job is so big at the moment it's so deep rooted that even if he gets everything right we're talking Several years before United are truly competitive again. Uh, yeah. They'll obviously, they could close the gap quite quickly just by not being absolutely dross in certain areas, but closing the gap a little bit and actually challenging when they're so far behind Liverpool and Manchester City. And, you know, there's talk about uh, extensions for Guardiola. I mean, Klopp's recently just kind of committed his future for another couple of years as well. I mean,
0: exactly. If you were really dealing with Klopp until 2026 and Guardiola and yeah, Guardiola then also commits for that length of time I mean no one else is winning the league <laughs> for that period of time yeah. and uh, you know I mean, I saw somebody today uh, suggest that Klopp had signed that extension because he quite fancied at least a year with Guardiola not being in the league because <laughs> <laughs> um, it'll be less stressful for him yeah. um, but I do I do sort of look at, at that Liverpool City top two at the moment and, and Chelsea are European champions, but there are they're a significant step below. And there's yeah. then a significant step below that to, to where Spurs and Arsenal are at the moment. So, yeah. I mean, you'd, you'd expect if, if Conte does stay at Spurs, if Arteta keeps developing those young players at Arsenal, you'd expect that gap to close. Certainly, it will definitely close to Chelsea, given the uncertainty there. But does it close all the way to, to where Liverpool and City are? I think that's a, that's a tougher ask. And then you're asking United then to not only catch up to Spurs and Arsenal and, and Chelsea, but to challenge City and Liverpool. That's that's gonna be tough, yeah. you know. Unless, yeah, I mean, I can't foresee a scenario where United are challenging for the title much before 2025, really. No no absolutely not I mean the first
1: step is to stop the rot if you had to bet on which would happen before 2025 a title challenge or he's already lost the job I think you put the money on they've sacked him all day long that's the the plight that they find themselves in at the moment Um, and I hate to be kind of negative about it but it's Man United and they had all those years of success so I don't hate it that much.
0: Well, no, quite. And if you, if I mean, the, the easiest comparison to make is probably niners Liverpool. And what you can say about niners Liverpool is, they at least gave all of their managers a fair shake of the stick. You know, if you look at the Roy Evans team, we talked about, Julier, um, Benitez, all managers that 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 at least kept Liverpool at a certain level where they were winning cups and where they were playing football that the fans could be proud of, even though they weren't in the position they were in in the 70s and 80s. And really, United just need to get to that level first, which is actually ironically kind of where Solskjaer had them last season. <laughs> um, but, yeah, in terms of them being, you know, this kind of swashbuckling uber force that they were under Ferguson, I think that's, that's quite a long way off.
1: Miles, miles and
0: miles. And
1: who actually knows what any of this is going to look like when you've got to basically gut
0: a club and start again. And, you know, the the other problem they're going to have is who wants to sign for United now? Mm. Like, in the past, they'd have been right in for for Erling Haaland, for example. Um, You know, Declan Rice would probably already be a a United player. If you're Declan Rice now, you'd rather stay at West Ham Sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, and that's, that's the difference, is is that are you, as a young player, going to commit yourself to United knowing what a basket case it is? Mm. Um, I just, yeah, you, you wonder. You might say that you've got this sort of transfer war chest. You know, you have this much money to spend. You've got to persuade the players to come. Yeah, and they've got two
1: pulling powers kind of left at man united one is that a lot of these kids might have grown up as man united fans less and less actually as time goes on because these players are actually getting younger and you know some of them now will probably have been chelsea fans man city fans that's going to get more and more likely as time goes on some of them may still have been old enough to have caught the tail end of the the last great ferguson team say rather than the tired version that won the league in that final final season but They've got the fact that some of them might be Man United fans, and they've also got the fact that as a mega club, they can still back a trunk load of money up to people's door. But then so can PSG, so can Juventus. Well, maybe not Juventus, maybe that's a (laughs) a slightly uh, misconception there. But Man City certainly can, and Man City will
0: probably guarantee you some honours. Yeah, I mean, it's, I guess the, I mean, the issue with City, I guess for a young player is, are you going to play? Um, Pep's system is difficult to learn you know and you've got to kind of have the patience to do what Grealish is doing at the moment and maybe not play all that much but kind of learn what Pep wants you to do and then probably in season two you'll uh you know you'll play a lot more and um, you know and you'll reap the benefits of it so I guess that's that's the big thing that would stop you signing for City I guess one advantage you might have is that if Chelsea aren't signing anybody, then that's kind of one less club in the market, if you like. Um, but yeah, I, I, you do wonder now, you know, what kind of up-and-coming superstars are going to be available to them? What kind of markets are they going to be shopping in? I mean, you might find that, you know, that Ten Hag kind of will try and, you know, I mean, Johnny van der Beek is on loan at Everton. He obviously played a player that he knows well. So that might be a, a solution to kind of progressive midfield play. But they've needed that elite defensive midfielder for for longer than I can remember. And there aren't that many of those no. out there growing on trees. Rice is the obvious one. But as I say, I don't think he's going to want to go. No, no, he'd certainly rather
1: go back to Chelsea, you would think, where his best mate is playing. and. You know, they're another club that can easily match United when it comes to fees and wage, wages once, you would think the, uh, the the sanctions are over. So if you are Declan Rice, wait at West Ham for the transfer you actually want or go into a new project where you don't know anything about it. Yeah, it's just, uh, maybe he doesn't
0: think the way I do, but it would seem to be a fairly easy answer to that. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Chelsea, up until the point where... You know the sanctions took place. You'd absolutely say they were, you know, they were favourites to get him. Looks like you know, it looks like Harlands will will probably go to City. You know, it looks like, well, potentially Mbappe might end up at Madrid. So uh, so yeah, like if United do feel that sort of, I want to satisfy my celebrity crush and, and buy a star you know, there aren't that many out there. And the ones that are there out there are going to be over 30. And mm. and then you, you back yourself back into that problem they have with like an Alexi Sanchez, where you buy a player that was so all action that he'd run himself out by the age of 29.
1: Mm. Yeah. I guess uh, as my kind of final thought, I'll try and end with something kind of a bit more optimistic, which is that it took United... 20 some odd years to actually get it right following the end of one legendary managerial tenure in Matt Busby that's 71 until 93 or whenever it is they kind of finally win the league they are now kind of putting themselves into position if you like if things do go well to actually fix the end of the Ferguson era in about half the time so I mean if that's one thing for for reason for United fans to be optimistic is maybe this could be less bad than it usually is when these great managers and these great dynasties end. You know, Liverpool took a long, long time to to fix themselves and become champions of England again too. So, you know, if things do go well, maybe it could be less than the kind of customary 20 or 30 years. Uh, that's as much as I can offer United yeah, fans at this I mean,
0: point. In that context, actually, yeah. I mean, Liverpool, you know, 1992... 2020 That's uh you know that's uh that is a long old time so i guess with united what we're looking at 2013 2013 to well they yeah they've just got to win a title before 2033 <laughs> so uh yeah i yeah. probably manage that i mean yeah that that'll be it. that's actually that's actually a really interesting one to think about actually because we said we we don't really see them doing that much before 2025 or 26. So, yeah, the, the clock is ticking. So that uh, that concludes our our look at, at Man United and everything that's gone wrong with them over the last decade or so. Um, and the problems in Eric Ten Hag's inbox uh, when he shows up to the training grounds at the end of May. So uh, good luck, Eric. I think you are going to need it. I'm not afraid to